You're listening to Minimalish, a podcast where we talk about simplifying our stuff, our lives, our motherhood, all in a realistic way so that we can make room for what matters. We're not here for perfectly tidy homes or seeing how much we can possibly declutter. We're here for living with less. Realistically, it's going to look different for all of us, but we're not really focused on how our version of minimalism looks anyways. We're focused on how it feels. I'm your host, Desiree. I'm a mom to two and on my own journey of living with a little less clutter so I can have more space for an intentional life. I'm no expert, and I like to think of this as a corner of the internet where we're learning and growing together. So let's walk towards a more simple and intentional life. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. Today, I am so excited to be bringing you the first guest episode of 2024. I really love at the beginning of each year, somewhere in January or February, to bring on a guest to talk about finances and financial goals and to kind of encourage us to work towards our financial goals. Now, minimalism and finances, I feel like they just go hand in hand in so many ways. And each year when I do this, I really do like to keep the topics on the basics. This is not a podcast about finances, but it is a podcast where we're talking about making room for what matters in our lives. And part of that does have to deal with money. I like to talk about the basics of like budgeting and where our money is going and how we're spending our money and how we're setting our financial goals. Just anything around those very basic financial things that if you are well-versed in in finances, you may feel like those topics are something that you are beyond at this point. And rightfully so, if you have like been working towards your financial goals for years and you're just good on the topic. But what I love about today's episode is that my guest, Allie Williams, and I talk a lot about comparison. And setting our financial goals based deeply in our own values versus the other's values that we see maybe on social media or in our day-to-day lives. However, we're seeing other people use their finances and how we can kind of really ground ourselves in what matters to us. We talk a lot about this idea of comparison and really contentment with what we have and who we are. And I think it's an episode that is really for everyone, no matter where you're at with your financial literacy. We do also talk about some of the main reasons why people might struggle with sticking to a budget. And we talk a lot about what to do before you budget. This episode is just so encouraging. And I love talking to Allie. I love that she makes finances, not about deprivation. So let me tell you a little bit more about her. Allie Williams is the founder and CEO of Financially Focused. It's a financial literacy company which helps people create a flexible financial plan that they can actually stick to with no deprivation included. And she and her husband paid off over six figures of debt while still saving, investing, and buying season football tickets. I just love her perspective. I love how she is so down to earth about things and she just seems to come at it from such a place of understanding any perspective and any struggle that we might have with our finances and budgeting and actually sticking to a budget. So I hope that you enjoy our conversation. I was encouraged by it as I re-listened to it. 
to edit the episode and it was just a great refresher for the start of the year for me so I know it will be the same for you let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Allie all right, Allie, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Um, could you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do really quickly before we get started? Yeah, thanks for having me. I am so excited for this conversation. So a little bit about me. My name is Allie Williams. I live in South Carolina with my husband and two little boys. Uh, my company is financially focused, and my goal is to help people create a realistic financial plan they can actually stick to without giving up the things they love, I feel like. That's the point everyone always wants is like, how do I pay off debt and save and do all the things without, you know, never getting takeout or going out with friends? Um, my husband and I paid off $154,000 of debt while still saving, investing, spending, doing all the things. And then I got my MBA in finance and now I help people with their finances and I absolutely love it. I could look at budgets all day, which I feel like not many people would say. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's true. And I want to talk about budgeting today, which I feel like I talk about, well, not me, I don't talk about it, because I am not surely not the expert, but <laughs> I bring someone on to talk about just like the basics of budgeting a couple, I've, I've done it a couple of times on the podcast. And when I thought about what I wanted to talk about with you, I thought, you know what, I kind of want to talk about that again, because, you know, I feel like it's one of those things where you can learn it from a handful of different people, but like one person's going to say what clicks for you, you know, and for those of us that are less into finances and budgeting, it's nice to have the refresh. <laughs> I love that you are really all about making financial goals happen but still also living life like in the present because I think that it's pretty common to hear that if you're chasing after some kind of financial goal then like that's the only thing you're doing in your life and and that's it so <laughs> I first kind of want to just hear your story you said you and your husband paid off 150 plus thousand dollars yeah. of debt so um what did that look like? I think you just said that you still you still did things while you did that. So so how did you do that? And what did that look like for you? Yeah. So to back up before my husband, um, you know, when I graduated college, I was, you know, a young, naive 21 year old and did the quote unquote adult thing and bought a brand new car <laughs> because I needed a car. And at 21, you know, my thought I was like, why would you buy a used car? You know, which now I will always buy used. But 21 year old Allie did not feel the same way. Um, and my car payment was $415. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a lot, you know, for a 21 year old in 2013, this was like a lot of my, like a lot a pretty big payment. And I was like, how do people like pay their bills and still do things that 21 year olds want to do or people, you know, travel, spend time with friends. And then like, everyone's like, you have to invest for retirement. You have to do all these things. And I was like, how do, how is everyone like figuring this out? And all the advice I could see out there was very boring, especially for someone in their 20s. It was like, if you want to pay off debt, you know, you can't ever do anything or you should, you know, debt is terrible and you have to pay it off as quickly as possible and not enjoy your life or all these things. And I was just kind of like, this, there has to be another way besides all the advice I'm seeing. And so um, long story short, I became debt free at 25. Um, I met my husband at that point, but we were just dating. And then I married into $154,000 of debt. So all that debt that we then paid off was technically his, um, mine through marriage. And 
we had conversations very early on in our relationship because I was, you know, the crazy one who cared about finances, about more just our habits because I felt like I knew I could pay off debt because I've done it and the number necessarily didn't matter. But if we couldn't get on the same page with our finances, like we were just, you know, he was like, I don't care. I'll be in debt forever. And I just spend everything. That to me was a bigger like issue than necessarily the amount of debt because I knew we could pay it off as long as we could like some, you know, come together as a team. So we discussed money very, like at least the basics pretty early on. Um, when we got engaged, started to like really dive into our numbers. Turns out it was 154000 And then we created that plan to kind of pay off debt while still we were saving um, for a house and, you know, other goals. And I'm a big college football fan. So, like, the one thing I wouldn't cut was our season football ticket. So, yeah, it's kind of like the basic, the basic overview of kind of where I was and then um, where I am now. How long did it take you, I'm just curious, to, to pay off that debt? It took us about three and a half, which it does years. Um, but we went really hard for a few years. Um, and then we kind of not didn't loosen up with it, but we kind of started to prioritize some other things pretty much like we got when we got married, like any gift money we got went to our goal, like went to debt or savings. Like we were very intentional. I did some side hustles to try to like, I tried everything at that point to try to like get some more to put towards, um, debt so yeah it took us about three and a half years um maybe a little bit longer to be fully done the majority was student loans and then um, a little bit was credit card and truck yeah so that I mean that seems pretty quick to pay off that much debt but I know one thing you talk about is just you know it's not necessarily about the speed and personalizing the journey to kind of your own values and what makes sense for your life. So I kind of mentioned this at the beginning, but I do want to talk about budgeting. And obviously, that is a huge part of paying off debt and just meeting financial goals in general. So can you talk about why budgeting is important? I think some people might feel reluctant to budget and it might be a struggle. So maybe why it's important, but also why you've seen in your work, it be a struggle for many people. Yeah. I think the word budget just like, you know, make some people like skin crawl. I think just from past either books they've read or people who've like told them about budgets and it just seemed really terrible. So, you know, that like it just, the word budget just gets out as a very bad rep, but I always tell people, if you hate the word budget, call it something else, call it your spending plan, call it like, I don't really, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, all a budget is, is telling your money where to go. And so I always tell people, if your budget is restrictive or very restricting, that's because you did it. Like not to sound, you know, not to be harsh, but if it's really restrictive, like I have people like, I can't do this. Like it's really restricting. It's like, well, then you created that. Like you're the one creating your budget. So if you don't have fun money in there, other things, and like you can change that. And really all a budget is, is telling your money where to go. And if you don't tell it where to go, it's going to be really hard to reach those goals because you don't know. I mean, I mean, I've been there. Most people have where you're like, oh, I spend $100 a week or $200 a week on groceries. And then you look at the actual numbers and you're like, oh my gosh, I spend way more, you know, because <laughs> you're just, you think, you think something in your head, you've like made up this number, or maybe you saw some social media, you know, someone on Instagram posts what you should spend on groceries. So you really try to do what someone else told you to do. And then you're not doing it. And you're like, I don't know why I'm overspending. And it's because 
you're not telling your money where to go. And so the good news is since you're telling it where to go, it can go to some fun money or like spending money. Obviously, if you have debt, some of it needs to go to debt and some needs to go to savings and obviously your bills. But budgeting is important just so you know your numbers so you can plan. I know it's like sounds for a lot of people like kind of counterintuitive, but it really does. And I found this working with people. It's like it does reduce your money anxiety when you know your numbers. It might not feel that way in the beginning because maybe you are scared to check your account. I see that all the time because you know it's not going to be great and it's, you have some fear around it. But when you actually like can see your numbers, there's money in your account. You're not overdrafting it anymore. You know exactly how much you have for groceries. You know exactly how much you can save. It really does take that weight off your shoulders. So everyone should create a budget, whether you make $30,000 a year or $300 plus $1,000 a year. You need to know where your money's going. Yeah. I can definitely resonate with the fact that the anxiety does go down whenever <laughs> you have a budget, right? Because at least you know what's going on rather than just winging it. But it is. It's it's scary at first if you are not typically like used to looking at your finances, then it's scary to be like, okay, well, <laughs> where are we at here? I know you talk about the things that we need to do before we create a budget. Cause I think anytime, at least for me, like anytime I have a financial goal that I'm like really excited about or that is really important for some reason, I'm just like, okay, well, I want to get it done as fast as possible. Let's figure this out. Let's make the budget and let's go. This has happened to me more than once where I made a budget and it totally does not work for me. And I think it's because I maybe have skipped some important steps. So what are some important steps that we can take before we create a budget? Yeah. And to your point, I think everyone tries to start with budgeting. And that's what I see like in my programs. And when I work with people, like budgeting is module four in my group program. And it's like, it's never step one. And I think that's where a lot of people just want to like rush into like, oh, someone told me I need a budget and I'm just going to list my income and expenses. And now I created a budget and that just like doesn't work. So First thing you need to do is what I call a money audit. And I always tell people like, I'm not going to lie. It is terrible. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and tell you that this is fun. So because it's not, but it's needed. So kind of to the point of knowing where your money is going is you need to do a full audit of your finances. So track your expenses for a month. I always say choose an average month. Like for most people don't choose December because you obviously spend more for like the holidays. So if like April is a you know, a kind of standard calm month for you, track your expenses for April. Now, everything's online for the most part. So even if you use a debit card or credit card, it's really easy to like pull your transactions and like see what's going on. So track your expenses, go through like how much, not just how much debt do you have, but list out all the types of debt, interest rate, minimum payments, like everything, same thing. How much do you have in savings? Do you have multiple savings accounts? How many accounts? You're pretty much going to write down everything. And for some people, this takes a few hours. For some people, this takes a few days. For some people, this takes a few weeks. There's no rush to it. It just depends on how often you've checked your numbers, how many accounts and things you have. So first do your money audit. After that, you know, you do want to ask yourself some basic, at least, especially if you're combining finances or you have a partner involved, some like money mindset type questions, because it really, those questions do play into um, your budget and like your spending habits. So even just thinking through, what were you taught about money or what were you not taught about money? Like, what did you observe your parents or guardians doing? What 
what are good habits, what are bad habits, you know, where are your money triggers? If you know, online shopping is like the big one, or I had a client once where it was like Instagram ads, you know, like anything an influencer posted, she was like, yes, you know, so maybe you have to mute people for a little bit, or, you know, kind of understanding some of the mindset things as well. Um, And then setting like one to three short term money goals, like things you want to do in the next three years, even five, and just prioritizing a few so you know what to focus on. Because I always tell people like, if I look at your, if you want to save for a house, right? And I look at your budget, I don't see anywhere in there that you're saving for a house. You're not going to reach that goal. Like your budget should clearly, quickly tell me and you where you're, what's important to you, what expenses are important to you. So we kind of need to know that first. So first the money audit, then just some, you know, basic kind of mindset questions. And then three, setting some like one to one to three short term goals, just so you know what you're focusing on. Of course, that changes what we think might happen, you know, does it, but at least the starting point. And then once you get all of that done, then you can start creating your budget. I I love the idea of just slowing down and taking some time to really get clear on like what what the real situation is and also what is important to you. Um, I think that's probably good advice for like any goal that we have in life and especially something that it feels at least feels complicated for many of us. So I really appreciate that advice and it it makes a lot of sense when it comes to actually budgeting. So we've done the things that we needed to do beforehand and we set the budget. I think the biggest problem is we can set it and then maybe we forget it or also just like for some reason it's just not working for us. We're failing at it and over for some people it's over and over again and we don't know why. So what are some ways that we can maybe simplify budgeting or just like your biggest advice for even like the most common reasons people are failing at budgeting so that we can maybe take some of that and and tweak it and succeed. Yeah. I think the one of the biggest things I see is people try to budget monthly, meaning they just will list their income, list their expenses, and to them that's a budget, right? It's like the thing you check off the list that you did for the month, you know, like your monthly to-do list. And I've never seen a monthly budget like that work. And I've probably seen I probably reviewed thousands of budgets at this point, like of people, and I've never seen that method work and the main reason is because you don't check in on it just like any i mean any goal right like if you do it once and expect results it's never going to happen so my method and what i always help people with is budgeting per paycheck and that can work no matter how often you get paid if you have a regular income whatever it is is you're going to budget per paycheck meaning you'll have kind of like mini budgets so if you get paid weekly you'll have kind of four budgets if you get paid twice a month you'll have two even if you do get but get paid once a month, you're still going to check in weekly and kind of make it kind of like a weekly budget just because monthly budgets don't work. So in that, that works for a few reasons. One, you get to see where in the month, a lot of your bills fall, because for most people that I've worked with and myself included, the first half of the month is really heavy. That's usually when your rent or mortgage is due. Some of your bigger bills might be due like first to 15th. And a lot of people feel like, oh my gosh, like I have no money the first to the 15th. And then the second half of the month, they're like, oh my gosh, like I'm doing great. You know, I have money again. And it's because their month is so lopsided with bills. And that's how a lot of people get stuck in this cycle too, of like having nothing, spending because they feel like they have a lot. And then the first of the month comes along and they're back in the same situation. 
So budgeting per paycheck allows you to see when bills are due and also move things that gives you the chance to move due dates. Pretty much any bill you have, electric, even debts, you can change the due date. So if you have a lot due by the 15th, maybe you move a few to be due the 21st or something just to kind of give yourself a break. Or for me, for example, I split my mortgage throughout the month. So like it's not, I'm not having it all come out of one paycheck. A lot of people I work with, we do that. So it gives you just a way to see kind of what is happening during the month, when are things due and how do I make adjustments? And I think that helps a lot immediately for people is just to see like, oh, wow, like my first paycheck, all my bills are due. That's one, that's part of the problem. Let's fix it. I think also making it realistic to the point of, like I said earlier, like you need to have some kind of spending money in your budget. I don't care if that's even $20. Like if you don't allow yourself to spend at all. It's kind of like a diet, right? When you, when people do, or like a really hardcore workout plan where you just like cut everything and go extreme for like a month or two, but it's not sustainable. And the one thing I always tell people is you're going to spend money or deal with money in some capacity for the rest of your life. Like this isn't something that just like is for six months where you can like go hard and then give up, like, you know, throw in the towel. Yes, maybe debt only lasts six months or six years or depending on how much, but you'll always spend money. So we need this plan to be sustainable where you know how to make adjustments, you know, as things come up. So budgeting per paycheck is like, to me, the best way to budget. I've never seen it not work. Even with a regular income, you can just use kind of an average month or get a month ahead of bills. There's definitely ways to handle it with a regular income. But that would be like, if you haven't tried that before, I highly recommend trying to. Yeah, I I saw a huge difference when I went from trying to do monthly and then went to budgeting by paycheck. It just, it makes so much more sense. <laughs> and and um, the whole idea about bills coming out at different times of the month, it's just like, you're you're just guessing if you you don't have that written down and you're not looking at which paycheck they they come out of when it comes to like smaller expenses because I think to like that can be a reason why people fail at it and maybe they don't take those um, steps to set themselves up for budgeting that we talked about and, and they kind of set unrealistic expectations but also those small purchases add up so can you give some tips to kind of like rein in spending like if you've you've budgeted and you even maybe put in the work to make a budget that makes sense for your life but you're still seeing that like that those small things add up and you're still not it's still not working so what are some tips that you have to like actually I don't know cut things out or rein in categories that you want to have less spending in. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So back to, so to your point, totally little expenses add up. And I think that's why the money audit, the first step is so important because people think like, I don't spend a lot on coffee or I don't spend a lot on like Chick-fil-A or something. And then like all of a sudden you realize, oh, it's actually $200 a month. So I do have money to put to debt or savings. It's just going to other things. And I never tell people, I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is just trying to drastically cut a category in like a month, right? So maybe you do see you spend $1,000 a month on takeout or 800 or whatever. And you're like, oh my gosh, that is so much. We can't do that. So in your head, you're thinking we need to cut this. And what people do is they'll go from 1,000 to 500 or 1,000 to 200. And they think they can just do that in a month. 
and you can't, you have to stagger it. So maybe your goal is to spend 500 on takeout. If you're currently at a thousand, I recommend the next month trying to get to 800, you know, like cut it a little bit and go, you know, really try to do that. And if you can get to that, then try to get to maybe 600. And maybe that's the place you land where you're like, okay, this is a stretch for us, but it's manageable and it gives us $400 extra a month to put to something else. So that makes it more like the realistic part. You know, I don't think it's very, very hard to go from spending a lot to nothing in like a week when you're not used to that. You don't have anything prepared. If it's takeout, you don't have freezer meals or you don't have, you know, all your meal planning organized and you expect yourself to just, you know, cut everything drastically. So back to the realistic part, I think that's important. Um, I think making sure your budget categories make the most sense. I personally, some people like a ton of very specific categories. I, my brain can't handle like every specific category. So it's fine to budgeting is a living document. It takes time to kind of figure out what works for you and your family. So try something if it doesn't work, you know, try a different category. But if, for example, you are spending a lot on takeout and I should see that in your budget, even if you don't want to have that much, you need to allocate something for it. I think another issue I see a lot is like a miscellaneous category. I think it's dangerous for some people it works, but with miscellaneous in our heads, we kind of just think, Oh, I have this catch all category so I can spend versus categorizing it as something. So, you know, say you give yourself $200 a month for miscellaneous. It's really like, well, what is truly miscellaneous? (laughs) Because it kind of, then you're like, Oh, I can buy all this stuff on Amazon because I have miscellaneous category. And then pretty quickly that miscellaneous category grows and you're like, I don't even know what I bought, you know, because it's miscellaneous. So I think making sure your categories are pretty clear and make sense. And then back to a little bit, like I was talking about in the beginning with money mindset is really understanding your money triggers and kind of like your spending triggers. So if you know, if you've had a long day at work or, you know, your kids are driving you crazy, you always want to get takeout, then prepare for that prepay and buy some gift cards. Like we have a gift card drawer and, have some food gift cards for those days that you know are going to happen and you can prepare so it doesn't break your budget. Or I ask for gift cards all the time for like holidays and birthdays and stuff. And just to save for if something happens, even if you know you overspend with Starbucks um, or any kind of like Dunkin', whatever, coffee shop. What I do is I budget a certain amount for Starbucks. I reload my app at the beginning of the month and that's what I have. So I'm allowing myself to spend, it's a budgeted amount, but I can, you know, track it more closely versus just keep reloading the app. And all of a sudden my, you know, $25 reloads are now like $300 by the end of the month. So I think it's just setting some boundaries or like understanding truly your spending habits. Another thing, I don't go into Target anymore, really. I do Target pickup because I know if I go into Target, I will get something that was not part of the plan. You know, you're like, oh, that the dollar spot that isn't a dollar, you know, something gets you there or something happens. So kind of think through, if you go through when your money audit, your expenses, look at things that you're like, kind of, you can start to see patterns and start to see like when you're overspending either emotionally or weather or times of the month, certain days, whatever, and kind of start putting in some boundaries just to kind of protect yourself against that overspending. But also then find the balance of like allowing yourself to spend so that you don't go into that like deprivation mode where you kind of like, you know, deprive and then binge type of thing. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin. With a new year, 
one simple change that I wanted to make this year is I wanted to add some skincare to my life because I'm going to be honest, I was doing pretty much nothing, but I didn't want it to be complicated. So One Skin's two-step approach to healthier skin was one that intrigued me. And now that I've been using it for a while, it has made such a huge difference in my skin. One Skin's products are powered by a scientifically proven peptide called OS1 that targets lines and wrinkles right where they start your cells. This isn't just another skincare routine. It's actually a scientific breakthrough and OS1 is the first of its kind to actually turn back the clock in ways instead of just masking the signs of aging. With their full line of face, eye, body, sun, and travel size products, One Skin doesn't only promise healthier skin, they prove it. I've been using One Skin on my face and my neck, and I can just feel such a difference. My skin had a lot of issues, just dryness and peeling, and One Skin has minimized that for me so much to where I'm barely even struggling with that anymore. I really didn't know what to expect, but my expectations were blown out of the water. And I love that it's truly just like you put it on your clean skin twice a day. It takes me like less than a minute to do this. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code MINIMAL at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code minimalish. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them that we sent you New Year, Healthier Skin. That's One Skin. I love the idea of the gift cards. It One, it makes it more special that you can treat yourself. Truly, it's a treat instead of like a daily thing. <laughs> and And also, you're still allowing yourself that thing that maybe brings you joy or is important to you, or you just know that you're going to do it anyways if you like totally deprive yourself. So I just, I love that. When it comes to reaching financial goals while still allowing yourself to live, and I know like obviously the the gift cards and everything we just talked about is part of that, but if we say like, okay, well, I don't know. I feel like that can get to a point where it's like, I have to limit myself in some way or else I'm going to go all out. Does that make sense? Like, I guess, how do we decide how we're going to allocate like, okay, I'm going to cut in some areas and still live my life in some other areas. Does that make sense? Yeah. I feel like that question was all over the place. No. But... <laughs> we'll, we'll, see, we'll see if I actually answer it and then we'll see if I'll know if it made sense. <laughs> and I think it goes to start. I think you have to really kind of get out of your own head of like comparing yourself, which took me a while, right? To like social media, for example. I mean, this is a podcast so you can't see, but like I don't do my hair. I wear the same like four shirts from Target. I painted my nails because we had family photos, but like normally my nails are not done. I don't spend, I spend pretty much $0 a month when it comes to like beauty. I don't, that's not a category that's important to me, but for some people getting their nails done every two weeks or every month, that brings them true joy. And they like, they need that. That's something that's important to them. So I think one, we have to kind of really focus on our own journey or own priorities versus what your friends or family or some social media influencer tells you is important. Um, so that's one. Two, 
if you had to like take 10 minutes and it's kind of like when you think back even this year or whatever like what are the few moments in life or things where like you really were like it brought you true joy or like you really enjoy or what's the thing you look forward to throughout the month so like I said for me college football season I will never give that up like ever give that up you that is like I wish it was college football season all year round like I live for college football my sisters go my kids now go like both my boys have gone literally since birth like my youngest last year was two months old at his first game and I went at 39 weeks pregnant with my birth so like that to me is like true joy and so if you think of things like do you value time with your family? Okay, well, does your budget reflect things in there? Maybe it's just like going to the zoo every few months or going to something with like, if your budget should reflect the things that you value or do you value travel? Okay, well, maybe you set up a travel sinking fund and save for four trips a year or something. And like, I'm not saying your monthly budget always has to have everything in it, but your overall financial goals and total, you know, overall financial plan should show the things that you value. If it is getting your nails done. Yes, put in your budget. But then obviously most of us do have either debt saving or investing goals. So you can't do everything at the same time. I mean, unless you make like millions or then go ahead, you know, but most of us do not. So we have to kind of pick the, you know, one to three or whatever things that we truly value that we would not want to cut and then cut or reduce the rest. And I always tell people just because you have to cut something doesn't mean it's forever. For example, when we were paying off, you know, debt, we did have to cut things or we couldn't go on, you know, trips all the time, or maybe our trips were more like, you know, closer or things like that. For example, foot season football tickets, we had like upper deck, like right in the sun, terrible tickets. And now we have club seats because we have the kids. Would we have been able to do all that when we were paying off debt? Probably not. But so you kind of find like the balance and cutting something now doesn't mean forever or even just reducing it isn't forever. So if you do want to get your nails done, maybe instead of doing it every two weeks, can you go every four weeks or every six weeks and just kind of stretch it a little bit? So for everyone, it's different. It depends on, of course, your income and, you know, other expenses, but really focusing on the few areas that really bring you true joy and then either cutting or reducing the areas that you you know, don't really care about. Hopefully that's somewhat answered it. <laughs> it did. I, good job because I was saying a lot of different things at once. <laughs> um, but that is what I meant. You answered it. So um, yeah, I, especially the idea of, you know, reducing or just keeping around the things that matter to you the most rather than fully cutting them. Because I think, you know, for someone who does like I'll go with the same example that you were using, getting their nails done. Like if you listen to some financial people talk about it, they are going to make you feel like you need to cut everything, even though like it's something that truly brings you joy. And then you're going to feel deprived and maybe that's going to show up in some other area where you're going to compensate for it. Right. So um, that's why I, I just think that that is such helpful advice, especially the idea of reducing it. Like it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You don't have to say like, well, I have to keep this in exactly the same way that I have, or it's not going to work or completely cut it out. Like there is a middle ground that's possible there. Yeah. With finances, I think that's one of the things I don't agree with a lot of financial advice. I feel like it is a lot of all or nothing. And it then makes you feel a lot of like shame or guilt for spending. Like a lot of people do feel 
bad. Like, well, I do have debt. Like I get that question all the time. Like I have a lot of debt. Like how can I spend? And it's like, you can still live your life and pay off debt. And, you know, back to the point, maybe you hear my story and you think like, well, she can do it. I can't. And I just, that's not true at all. Like I've worked with people who make, like I said, 30,000 people who make half a million or more. And yes, everyone's journey looks different. Time frame looks different. Maybe it'll take you longer to pay off debt, but it doesn't mean you can't do it. And for me, I would rather take a little longer and still keep the things I want versus like cutting everything. And, you know, you have to kind of find what I always say, find the balance between like YOLO and also like, you're going to like, you're, you can die tomorrow, but you can also live to a hundred. So like you kind of have to find the, find the balance between like preparing to live for a really long time, but also like living in the moment. And this takes time to figure out, but you can do both. It's just finding that balance. Yeah. That's so good. Cause I do think that that's where people get tripped up of like the all or nothing mindset. It's just like, okay, well, which one do I go with? Like, do I really plan for the future and go hard at that? Or do I really like live my life and the idea that oh okay I can <laughs> there yeah. can be some sort of balance in there that that works for me um so something that kind of goes along with what you were just talking about um when you talked for yourself how like you know beauty things aren't important to you so you wear the same four shirts and you don't really do your hair and things like that you have a post where you talked on Instagram. I loved it. You talked about how like you are boring or your life is boring, you know, and I put that in quotes. Um, and you posted kind of about defining what luxury means to you and spoke to the idea of comparison, kind of like how social media plays into that so much and how it's so easy to compare ourselves and feel like we we need to do certain things to, I don't know, have joy, even though those things might not even bring us joy. So can you kind of just encourage listeners on this idea of sticking to our own values when it comes to how we spend our money and defining our own version of luxury, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, I, that post. Yeah, that I remember, I think I like, I get frustrated sometimes. I don't know if you or anyone has felt that way. But like, you see everyone like, going on first class trips to like, Paris, which is fine. I have nothing against that. If that's what you want, like I want that for you. But just because you don't do that or don't want that doesn't mean that you don't ha you're not happy or you're not fulfilled and like you don't have a like rich to you life. And I think that's the biggest thing, which took me a lot of time, but like sit down and really define like for it can be little things like I posted, I think like for example, when we fly, I'll upgrade quote unquote, upgrade us to like extra leg room seats because my husband's really tall and he's comfortable. And like, that's a luxury for us, like little things or like spending more time with my family. Like my grandma's getting older. And for me, like I, my goal is to see her once a month now that she's moved closer. And like, that is like a luxury of going, she's my only living grandparent and like going to see her and like spending more time with her, like that's a luxury or investing for my kids so that like they are better off financially than I was, or like they don't have to worry about certain things. Um, we've moved and now we're in like our forever home, which if you saw that I mean, we live on a 25 acre farm and you hear that and you're like, oh my God, like she must make millions and do all these things. But like, you don't see what I've done for the past seven, eight years to get here. <laughs> like the years we've saved and planned for this moment we lived in a small two-bedroom one-bathroom house in a not good area for years and before this so like our refrigerator 
couldn't fit in our kitchen and it was in our garage and our <laughs> we didn't have a dishwasher and we had like a rolling one you had to like roll in and plug in and use with which is fine but my point is you don't see the back end of a lot of people's lives and some people do that on purpose so I think really taking some time and writing down if, if that's your takeaway from this is take 10 minutes and just start listing out like what are things that are luxury to you even now or things in 10 years like do you want to be able to pick up your kids from school every day? And, or do you want to work part-time on a passion project? I don't know. Or do you want to volunteer more or um, donate more to organizations or make sure you take trips three times a year with your whole family? Whatever that is, is like really focusing on what you value versus other people. Cause yeah, like my life is not, my day-to-day is very boring. Like I make my Keurig coffee, I get my kids up, I put on like night, like athletic shorts and a t-shirt and throw my hair in a ponytail. I w- was joking the other day, you know, you see on the social media, like the get ready with me videos where people take like really long and it's like them doing their hair and makeup. Like my get ready with me video would be like, wake up, brush my teeth, put my glasses on and p- p- put my hair in a ponytail. And it would be like a 10 second video. Um, my point is like, that might be boring to some people, but like, I truly love my life and the life I've built and it's not boring to me, even if it's boring to the outside world. So I think really focusing on what brings you true joy in those little moments versus like, you know, maybe your neighbors bought a new car and you're like, Oh, like I wish we can do that or something. It's kind of, if you don't value, like I don't value cars. Like I drive my paid off 2013 Hyundai Tucson that I talked about in the beginning that I had a car payment when I graduated college. So Uh, yeah just taking time to really and keep keep it somewhere like keep a list I think that's really important in your phone like on your computer something that you can refer back to when you do have those like comparison moments yeah I think like the idea of keeping up with the Joneses you know uh, it's obviously an idea that has dated back pre-social media but now I think it's just really hard to even know what you even want because it just feels like you're hearing about what so many other people want or what's so important to so many other people. It's important to me to reflect and be like, oh, hey, I actually don't want that life that someone else has just because I saw it on social media. You know, I I just think it's so easy to compare ourselves and not even know what we actually want and like see something and it looks shiny and oh, I want that. But like, do you really like even the new car? I mean, we can see someone's new car and it looks really like even for me, oh, that car looks really nice and cool, but I know that I really don't care. But like, I might have to take a second to remind myself like, hey, you don't actually care. You know, about yeah, that. I mean, I love new car smell. My sister just bought a car and I was like, oh, I love it. Like I, but I'm like, I haven't a new car in 10 years, but I'm like, and I'll never have one, which is fine. Like, yeah. but it's like, you can, I appreciate it. And I'm glad, you know, I'm glad for her. And I can take, like you said, take a few minutes and be like, oh, that'd be cool to have like all these fancy features but then also going reminding myself like why I don't have an 80,000 I mean not that her car is that but the car I want which is an Expedition Max new is like 80 90,000 dollars and unfortunately that's not in the cards for us which is fine like that's not a big deal but really then grounding yourself in what you want because yeah I could very easily go to a lot and get like a thousand fifteen hundred dollar whatever car payment because I you know quote unquote want a new car because other people have one but then I think going back to your why is so important with goals because I have a post too or like the goal is not to become debt-free or save or 
you know, budget, the goal is insert X. Like, what do you want your life to look like in five years or 10 years? Like, that's the goal. It could be time freedom. It could be financial freedom where you can do more with your kids or family or whatever. Like, that's your why. You just need to budget, pay off debt, save to get there. So it's kind of like you need to do all this to reach kind of your why and you know, your big priorities, but obviously no one's like, when I'm 80, like my main goal of life is to create a budget. It's like, no, it's your, so that you can like <laughs> set up your kids for financial success or your grandkids or that you can enjoy your retirement and not worry about paying bills. Like that's what you want, but you need to do all these other things to get there. Yeah. Well, so good. Thank you for just everything that you shared and all the tips that I think are just so practical. And I think grounding it in just the fact of, knowing what matters to you. And when you do that, then it can make it a whole lot easier to actually (laughs) budget and, and reach those goals. So thank you for that encouragement. I do have two questions that I like to ask every guest. So the first one is what's something that you're simplifying right now? I think trying to simplify like life with two boys. Um, I had two under two and the first like six, nine months are just like a whirlwind of chaos. So I think now that they're older and functioning, it's just getting more into a a routine, a children routine between potty training and all this other stuff. And so goal is to simplify children routines as much as I, as much as you can even do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> I can never imagine two under two. So um, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that is a lot of simplifying can maybe help, but also kids have their own minds. As much as I can plan <laughs> with children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay. And what's something that you're loving right now? Oh, gosh. I am back to kids, which is fun. I'm loving the stage that they're in where they're actually like somewhat suffi- like self-sufficient, where I feel like I'm finally out of like the like postpartum fog, you know, where you like start to feel like a human again. And I feel like I'm able to prioritize myself again in certain aspects. Uh, My husband, our our anniversary is this week and we're going away for the first time, just us since our honeymoon. And so I think now prior, like kind of entering my second stage of life to an extent of like being able to focus on my own self as an individual, not as like a mom, like just me. So I've been loving focusing on myself really sounds really selfish but it's not (laughs) no it's not especially like coming out of the postpartum fog um well have one happy anniversary to how how old is your youngest one he just turned one um july so yeah yeah i have a like just a little bit over one year old as well. Yeah. So that's why I was kind of yeah. feeling the same. I was like, yeah, I feel yeah, like I mean, the other day I could reflect and be like, wow, I'm enjoying yeah. this season. You hit like <laughs> Finally. a year. And then I feel like for me with both of them, it's like, the only thing is with the first one, I hit a year and then I was pregnant again. So yeah. And this time I'm not, and it's night. Like, I feel like I'm now able to like, I can leave more like longer periods of time and I can like, you know, go out to with friends. Like I can do more for myself than it's nice to kind of enter that like next era or like next stage of life where I can like be a mom and do all that, but also start to like have my body back and like be a person. <laughs> yeah. So good. And so important yeah. to finally feel that way. Again. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the show, Allie. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. I feel like going by really fast too. So I hope everyone this made you feel a little bit more relaxed when it comes to finances. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it helped me feel like some of those questions I made because I, I need those things. So it helped me. So I know it will help listeners as well. hope you enjoyed today's episode and if you want to follow along with Allie and learn more from her I'm going to have all of her links in the show notes she is at financially focused on Instagram and she also has a free foundations course and a group coaching program so there's lots of ways that you can work with Allie and I just wanted to make sure that you know where to find her I, again, I just really love her perspective. This episode has really helped me think about my own values and how I can apply that to my financial planning for this year. So I hope that it gave you some action steps, whether that is just doing those first steps before you kind of tune up your budget for this year or getting a little bit deeper about what truly matters to you and kind of shifting your financial goals and the way that you spend your money around those things. Thank you so much for listening in and for being here. And if you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll share it with a friend. You could send it to a friend. You could share it on Instagram or any social media place that you like to share things. I'm always grateful for you when you do that. I know I say it every week and it's true. I'm grateful. And also it is really helpful when you share the show or even if you are loving the show, if you want to leave it a review or a rating, that is so helpful in helping other ears get on the show as well. So thanks again for being here and I will talk to you right back here again on the next episode.